You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in literally just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, which is great because there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to help you get closer to the action for a great value. I used SeatGeek myself last basketball season here in Dallas to get tickets to go see Yogi Ferrell play, and I used them this offseason to buy my wife concert tickets so I can vouch for them from personal experience. They are my go-to app when I need tickets. SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and they can do the same for you. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 52nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 347th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 9th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment is pretty simple for me this week. It occurred on Wednesday when all four committed members of Indiana's class of 2018 signed on the dotted line. Jerome Hunter, Rob Finnessy, Jake Forrester, and Demise Anderson all had pledged that they would be playing for Archie Miller, all signed. And look, we're all still awaiting the final word from Romeo Langford and Darius Garland, two five-star guys. But regardless of what they do, Archie Miller already has the found, a foundational class to now build his program on. And it's a class that reminds me a lot of Tom Crean's first big class at Indiana when he signed Maurice Creek and Christian Watford and Jordan Holes and Derek Elston. And, you know, you think about those great teams in 2012 and 2013, and obviously Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller and others were huge parts of, the, of those teams. But that first recruiting class really laid the foundation. And I think these four guys, plus Race Thompson that Archie Miller brought in, can do the same thing for the Indiana program moving forward. So a huge moment for Indiana, four really terrific players, and we will talk a little bit more about them as we move forward on this episode of The Assembly Call. 
All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we have a man who should be wearing gold all week in honor of Robert Johnson getting the gold practice jersey, and he is a world-round bracketologist whose work has now graduated from the humble pages of assemblycall.com to the esteemed limelight of insidethehall.com. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, gold's a little bit too close to Purdue colors for my liking, so I'm not sure that I own anything gold at all. But uh, in, on the inside, I'm I'm beaming, obviously. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's to me, it's just you know, the season actually is is here finally. Um, this has certainly been uh, the most, well, maybe not the most. Uh, we've had some eventful off seasons since we started doing the show. Um, the most best eventful, maybe you could say, I guess, as we, as we look forward. So it's, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to actually finally have things here. Some of the speculation can end, you know, we got a a little bit of dose of what this team might look like, uh, in the exhibition season. But I think finally we are, uh, you know, able to see, you know, the start of the Archie Miller era. And I think that by any measure, that's really exciting. Uh, obviously the recruiting news that you mentioned in the banner moment, uh, is exciting as well. And that's been a big part of the off season, but, uh, you know, now we're finally ready for actual basketball and, and we'll see if uh, this team can really come out and, and prove people wrong. And the first chance to, uh, you know, step down that path is on, on Friday against Indiana State. So should be should be exciting. I think, um, you know, the fan base, as we've done the show, there certainly have been exciting times, but there's just a different uh, a different feel to the interactions that we've had and the, you know, just kind of the sentiment of people uh, in the in the fan base. So it's an exciting time for everybody. And now to my right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an opinionated sports writer who plans to fully explore the studio space with the extra 140 characters per tweet that he now has at his disposal. He's a columnist for the big lead and someone who under no circumstances would ever think about shoplifting in China unless he knew he could pin it on Coach K, in which case he wouldn't think twice. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your Indiana basketball specific rant this week? I definitely would not think twice about that. Uh, I I actually want to say something related to that. I just want to thank Archie Miller and Indiana's players uh, for a not going to a foreign country to open the season at a weird time where I have to wake up at odd hours to watch the game and B for not stealing anything in a foreign country where you could get locked up for a very long time. I mean, rule number one in my keys to life book that I'll write someday is don't get arrested in China. But I think number two is don't get arrested in Mexico, but they're right there with each other. Um, and you know, this rule number one in my book is don't buy Ryan's book about the rules to life. (laughs) That's probably, I mean, I'm glad you're a parent because you can tell your kids that that's a good idea. Um, no, it's, it's, you know, something like that. I think that you just feel like, I mean, maybe I'm jinxing it, but you just feel like, this team is on such a solid footing and this, these players and, and this staff are in a place where you just know they're not screwing around. And, and I feel like UCLA fans have had to just explain this to people and have had to answer embarrassing questions. And the athletic department as well has had to, and he's just such a disaster. And he just, I, it makes me happy to be a Hoosier fan where, you know, our scandals are normal college scandals, not, you know, Louisville scandals or, you know, shoplifting in China scandals. So uh, I I just want to say, you know, I I appreciate what this staff has done. I appreciate where this team is. I appreciate the effort they're putting in. And quite frankly, I'm ready to start a season where there's no controversy. I know we've still got a few hours left uh, until tip for something. Don't jinx it. 
but um, but I well, that's why I said that. I, I got to throw that out there. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 nice to not have to face things like offseason uncertainty and craziness. And Andy's right. There is a positive feeling about this team and um, some excitement and some genuine, uh, we're genuinely looking forward to it. So I, I would say that's where I'm at right now. And uh, I'm excited for tomorrow and I'm excited for our first post-game show of the year. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have a jam-packed show for you this week. I had a chance to talk with uh, Indiana Now signee Rob Finnessy on Wednesday night, uh, and it's a great interview. We're going to play it in our next segment. He discusses why he chose IU, what Archie Miller is like away from the court, and most interestingly to me, what he thinks about Indiana's pursuit of a guy who plays the same position as him, Darius Garland. Uh, Then in our third segment, it's kind of going to be some potpourri. We'll talk about Andy's preseason bracketology, give our predictions for the 2017-18 season and then you all sent in a lot of questions and so we will get to those as well and just have some fun here in the uh, final episode before the season begins all of that coming here on assembly call radio do want to issue this quick reminder the next time you're looking for tickets to a sporting event or concert remember our friends at SeatGeek. you can download their app which is incredibly convenient and easy to use or if you just want an easy to remember url that will take you directly to the iu basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website here it is iutickets.shop For example, do you want tickets to see Indiana upset Duke on November 29th? Or how about the Big Ten home opener against Iowa on December 4th? Tickets are available for every game on IU's schedule, including the road games. Check out the latest ticket deals on the SeatGeek app or, again, iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY. Use it when you make your first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is assembly. All right, you're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, quickly here, obviously the big news right before we went live, Evan Daniels, among others, reported that Darius Garland will announce his college choice next Wednesday at 530 Central at Brentwood Academy. I want to get your guys' quick reaction to this. Obviously, uh, if you don't have a schedule handy, that is basically right when Indiana's game against Seton Hall tips. So, you know, I hesitate to kind of read too much into these things, but my gut reaction is that that's not the greatest of signs. Uh, How do you kind of respond to that news? Ryan, you go first. Uh, You know, I don't put too much stock into that, but I think that some people, what I put more stock into isn't the timing of the announcement or anything like that. It's um, the fact that uh, a lot of people think he's trending away from Indiana right now and and maybe thinking about staying home. Um, And so that would be, that would lead us to believe the Vanderbilt is possibly the, uh, the, the, the destination. Again, these are all rumors. We don't know what that kid's going to say. We assume he's made up his mind if he's, if he's making an announcement, but you never know. Sometimes these kids are down to two and they just say, I'm going to make myself figure it out before my season starts. Um, so I, I look, we don't know. Um, I think obviously of the two left, I, I think there's far more pull to Indiana for, for Romeo Lankford. So I think Darius Garland was always thought of more as, you know, a, a huge bonus. Uh, but if you don't get him, you don't feel like you really lost something enormous. I mean, he's a great player, but you have a point guard in this class and room in, in Robert Finnessy, And you feel like there's way more, um, of a need to land Romeo Lankford than, than Darius Garland. So I think that it, while he'd be great to get, don't get me wrong. I think that, that it, he has always been viewed more as uh, sort of the bonus guy. Andy quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I think, when you look at the point guard position, 
Um, if Devonte can continue on the you know trajectory that he seems to be on at the start of this year, he probably enters next season as a starting point guard, and Finnessy is a guy who can uh, learn from him. All righty. Well, coming up on the assembly call, speaking of Robert Finnessy, we will play for you my interview with the Indiana signee. What does he think of Indiana recruiting Darius Garland? I ask him. That's next. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right. Well, in this segment, we have a special treat for you. On Wednesday evening, the first day of the fall signing period, I had the privilege of speaking with one of IU's four signees for the class of 2018, point guard Rob Finnessy. Rob was a longtime IU target, is a four-star prospect, and doesn't really need much more of an introduction, I think, for IU fans. So here now is my chat with Rob Finnessy. All righty. I am joined by one of the members of Indiana's class of 2018, Rob Finnessy, point guard from McCutcheon High School. Rob, welcome to the assembly call, man. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, yeah, no problem. So this is obviously a very exciting time. Obviously, we are recording this on Wednesday and Jerome, uh, Demizi and Jake all signed. You are obviously planning on making that official on Thursday. What is it like for, you know, kind of the culmination of the whole recruiting process to, uh, to be coming now and getting ready to, to sign and make it official? Oh, I mean, I like the process a lot. I'm, I'm kind of happy it's over with, but really just taking in my senior season and uh, just getting ready, doing everything I can so I can be ready next year at IU. Is that one of the reasons why you wanted to kind of get this decision made and get it out of the way so that you could really focus on your upcoming season and, and not have to worry about the recruiting process into the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, just all the recruiting, all the coaches, texting calling you it can be a little overwhelming so <laughs> i just want to get over with so i can focus on school and uh basketball now you just have all the media people calling you to get interviews right <laughs> yeah hey uh, and real quick do you prefer rob or robert do you have a preference either way uh, i'll say rob rob okay so, you know, I, I know I, I mentioned this to you and we were going back and forth a little bit on Twitter, but, you know, one day way back when I was like you, you know, going to high school in Purdue country, I went to West Lafayette, uh, but planning to head down to Bloomington once I graduated. And so I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, what was it about Indiana that sold you on, on being a Hoosier, both from a basketball perspective and just from a school and a campus perspective? Uh, I mean, 
even when Green was there, that was the first school that offered me. So when I went down there and visited, I mean, I loved the first time I visited there. So, I mean, just being there the first time, it had a special place in my heart. And uh, with Coach Miller coming over, was a new thing. I feel like we relate pretty well. We're pretty similar. So that was uh, the main thing why I chose Indiana. So tell me a little bit about Coach Miller, because obviously we're all, you know, kind of getting to know him as a coach, you know, as he gets ready to enter his first year. What is he like, and, and what's it like, or what's it been like kind of interacting with him as you've gotten to know him? Uh, like as a coach or more, more of a person? Uh, both, both. Uh, I'd say as a person, he's more, I feel like in the media, he seems just like a straightforward guy and uh, really straight, just very basketball-like. So but as a person, I mean, he's just a normal person, really. He just talks to me about even school and uh, football. I know it seems silly, so. I just really relate to him a lot, so that's the big reason. Yeah, why chose Indiana. And what what was it about kind of the style and the vision that he has for you as a player that that made coming to Indiana and playing for him attractive from a basketball standpoint? Uh, just the way the style of offense. I know they use a lot of ball screens and uh, they get up and down a lot. So I like that a lot. That's the type of offense I wanted to play in college. So that was a huge factor. So tell tell me a little bit about your game. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've seen a lot of highlights of you playing, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening have. Um, you know, but for those that maybe haven't seen you play extensively, you know, how would you describe yourself? And are there any guys that you kind of pattern yourself after? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I pattern myself after anyone, but say I'm a pass first point guard, uh, but I can also score. So I really like to get my teammates ball first and uh, just do anything I can to win. Yeah. Who are the who are some of the point guards that maybe you look up to, even if you don't pattern yourself after their game? You know, just the guys that you really enjoy watching. Um, Kyrie Irving, he's my favorite player. So him, uh, Damian Lillard, John Wall, pretty much just all the great point guards in the NBA right now. Yeah. What is it? You know, what's it like? You know, when you're going to a school like Indiana, that obviously has had so many great players play there, and, and a lot of really good point guards play there. I mean, going back, you know, guys like Isaiah Thomas and Quinn Buckner and Yogi Ferrell. What is that like, knowing that you're going to be, you know, kind of playing the same positions as legendary players like that? Uh, I mean, it's a great honor. I know, I guess there's a lot of expectations for a point guard coming in, but I mean, my expectations are pretty high for myself. So, just going in there and uh, doing the best I can, so I can uh, really just, I mean, fill in their footsteps. What uh, you know, you talk about expectations. What are the expectations that you have for yourself? Because obviously, you know, it, all you know, all these people who rate recruits and then fans who talk about recruits, and you probably see this stuff on Twitter. You know, where people are talking about, you know, you know, Rob's a four-year player, and maybe you know he won't start his first year, and like all this stuff, and people have all their opinions without really knowing anything. Like, what are kind mm-hmm. of the expectations that you have for yourself? And and I'm just I'm kind of curious how you respond or, or how you react when you see people posting all these expectations who, you know, you've never met and probably haven't even seen you play before? Uh, I mean, I really don't care. I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. So, yeah, I really, I'm just going to really take it a year at a time and just go in and do whatever the coach asks me to do. I mean, if it takes me four years to get to the NBA, it takes me, and it takes me two, it's fine. I don't, I don't really care. I just want to go in and do my best, do yeah. whatever I can. You know, and obviously before you do that, you've got your senior season coming up at McCutcheon. And, you know, for those who may not know, this is a, a, a it's a big transition year for you and for the whole program with Coach Peckinpah retiring. What is that like? I mean, he, shoot, he was the coach there when I was playing at West Lafayette and was an institution yeah. then. And obviously, you know, has continued to have great success. What's it like playing for a different coach this year? Uh, I mean, it's 
Oh, uh, yeah, it's a lot different, just even the conditioning, all that other stuff. So, uh, I mean, the first three days have been going pretty smooth, and um, really, I feel like the new coach is going to do a great job here, and uh, really just transitioning over with them. I know I'm going to have to transition over in college, so that I feel like that will help me a little bit in getting a new coach. So, it's been pretty smooth, though, so, I mean, I feel like we'll have a great season. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're, you know, kind of going through something similar to what Robert Johnson is going through, you know, having to trans- yeah. transition as a senior. Uh, is that something that you, you know, even when you came on visits and met with those guys, is that something that you talked with them about at all? You know, kind of how they were dealing with that with Archie and, and how you're dealing with it at McCutcheon? Uh, a little bit. Not really, though. I mean, I know they, they talked about how having a new coach is a lot different, but I mean, they like it so far. They like the change, and uh, they're really just going to try try going there and do it whatever they can. Yeah. Is it is a lot going to change for you this year, or are you guys going to be running kind of a similar system to what you have been running? Uh, I'd say maybe defensive-wise. Coach Peckinpah, he had that um that 3-2 zone that was going on. He had for probably 35 years all, yeah. all the time he was there. But, I mean, offense, offense-wise, it might change, but really not sure. We haven't put it in too much, so I'll see how it is. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, playing in that zone, obviously, for a lot of your career, do you think, how, or how big of a transition do you think it'll be going, you know, to more of a, a man-to-man based system when you get to Indiana? Uh, I think it's not going to be that big of a, big of a difference. I've been, just playing, I mean, pick up and all that other stuff. I play man-to-man. Even AAU, I play man-to-man. So, I want to say that's uh, not a big deal. Not too big of a thing. <laughs> So what are, as you enter your senior season, what are some of the elements of your game that you're trying to work on? You know, like if you can improve, you know, one or two elements uh, this season before you get to Indiana, what do you think will be the most important ones to improve on? I would say, well, from a point guard standpoint, I'd say the leadership is being more vocal. And um, from a skill standpoint, I would say getting my shot off quicker and uh, just getting more consistent, I'd say, in my game, um, even offense and defensive end. So really get myself quicker and be more consistent. Yeah, you mentioned leadership. That's an interesting one. Do, are you are you kind of a natural leader, like a natural vocal leader? Is that something that you're really that you really have to work on and, and kind of try and, and come out of your shell a little bit, or, or is it more natural for you? I must say I, I'm a little vocal, but I know the next level I have to be a lot more vocal, especially being a point guard. So I'll say I, right now I lead more by example, but I'd have to speak up more. How do you, it's really interesting, I mean, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you try and pick your spots for that? Is that something where, you know, you you kind of in a moment and, and you almost have to be really conscious about it, like, hey, I should speak up here? Uh, is that something that your coaches kind of help out with? Because, you know, I know that's something that, you know, even as we've watched some IU players come through, you know, who maybe haven't been naturally vocal guys. I mean, even, you know, you've heard Archie kind of talk about that with a guy like Rob Johnson this year. Um, and I've always kind of wondered how you make that transition if it's, something that you haven't done naturally, how you kind of work to to make it something that, that, that you make into a habit? Uh, I say I think my court vision is pretty well. So, I mean, sometimes I see stuff and then I just have to speak up more. But really, it starts in practice, and then I feel like it will translate over, translate over to the game. Yeah. What do you think are your biggest strengths right now as a player? Uh, I would say um, my, my passing ability and uh, being able to just lead and uh, get my teammates involved. So as you kind of look forward to to next season when you do end up getting to Indiana, you know I mentioned you know obviously the the great foursome that is already uh, together, you know with you and Jake and Demizi uh, and Jerome. Is that something where you guys have you know kind of 
gotten to know each other some through this process and and now or is it you know more where you're kind of really focused on what you're doing you know with McCutcheon and you'll kind of get to know them later or have you guys developed good relationships uh I think we develop pretty good relationships we don't talk that often but I mean we talk here and there so really I think we just focus on our senior season so that's a big thing and do you do you kind of keep tabs on what else is going on with Indiana recruiting? Uh, you know, as you know, it, it kind of continues, and Archie looks to to finish out the class for twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, I have been seeing uh, the Garland and Romeo; uh, those are two other guys. So I've been seeing Kim Eidelman. Yeah, you know, I, I was kind of wondering that too. You know, because obviously you're a, a competitor and and a really good player, and I've. I, I was kind of wondered how a guy in your position looks at it, you know, when Indiana is recruiting another guy who plays a similar position. Like, is there a part of you that's kind of territorial and is like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the point guard, I'm the future point guard, or do you look at it as you just want Archie to bring in as many talented players as possible and and create the best, you know, team and practice atmosphere that that there can be? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I look at it territorial. I say, I mean, bringing better guys, the team's gonna be better. So, I mean, it's just gonna improve the practice environment and just make everyone better. Yeah. And you, you know, obviously you had a chance to play Romeo in the state title game. What are, what are your kind of impressions of his game and, and what would he bring to Indiana if, if that ended up being the choice that he made? Uh, yeah, he's really, really good. So, I mean, just him being so smooth, he can pretty much do it all. I mean, he can shoot it, really athletic. So, yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. So, are you... Like a lot of kids, obviously, who grew up in Indiana, I mean, is, is basketball kind of your first love and the thing that you have the most fun doing, or, or do you have a lot of other interests off the court? Oh, uh, yeah, I think really that's my first love. I played, I started, I think, like five, playing with my older brother. So I've been playing ever since I was younger. And um, I played football all the way up until eighth grade. And those those are the only two sports I played growing up. Yeah. And did you, was that, did you stop playing football because you wanted to focus on basketball? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No, no reason to uh, to risk any football injuries when you got basketball season coming up, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just hard to get me every year to come out, but <laughs> just stuck with basketball. Yeah, very cool, man. Well, what uh, what else are, are, are kind of some other things that that Indiana fans should should know about you before you get to campus? Again, I mean, you know, like we said, I mean, your you know your McCutcheon team has a chance to be really good this year. You know, you kind of have that big transition going, um, and people will obviously be paying a lot of attention to that. You know, and seeing how you do, but you know, for all the other Indiana fans now that are, you know, kind of getting to know you and excited to see you become a Hoosier, what um what other things should they know about you? Um, really I'm just a a laid back guy who just likes to hang out with me. I don't I don't do too much partying or anything, so really just laid back guy, I like to hang out with friends, play video games. Just a natural teenager. Yeah. And do you have you thought about what you're gonna study when you get to Bloomington? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's sports science. Sports science, really? Yep. Is there a particular element of that or, or something that you see doing in the future? I was thinking physical therapy or a strength coach, but I'm not really sure. Hmm. You know, and speaking of strength coach, did you get a chance to, and I'm sure you did, you know, talk with Cliff Marshall? Uh, and, you know, obviously improving strength, improving conditioning is something that, you know, all freshmen have to do when they get to the college level. Uh, did you get a chance mm-hmm. to talk with him about any specifics about, you know, things that he'd like to see you do now while you're in high school before you get there or any type of plan, uh, you know, kind of to, to get you ready as much as you can be for, for when you have to kind of deal with that physicality and speed change at the college level? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I went and weighed in at uh, 
three. So he said, try to get to 175 out here. So we have a pretty good strength program at McCutcheon. So we're, we're doing some similar things that uh, I use doing. So he said, just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, try to get to 175 by the time I get there. Very cool, man. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, just to give us some insight on yourself and your game and the recruiting process. And, you know, more than anything, just congratulations. You know, obviously, uh, there's a lot of us who cheer for IU who, you know, grew up playing basketball in the state and, and wishing that we had that opportunity. And it's really cool to see a guy like you who seems to appreciate it so much, uh, you know, get the opportunity to sign on the dotted line and play at Indiana. And uh, just really looking forward to seeing you as a Hoosier. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. All right, man. Well, that has been uh, Rob Finnessy, uh, Indiana uh, commit for 2018. No longer a commit, signing on the dotted line. He will be a Hoosier next year. And uh, again, thanks for taking the time, Rob. Yeah, no problem. All right. Coming up, I am rejoined by the rest of this week's crew, and we talk more IU basketball here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our post-game analysis emails. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Hopefully you enjoyed our chat with uh, with Rob Finnessy. But guys, let's jump in and start talking about the current Hoosiers uh, and kind of look ahead to this season. And Andy, I'd like to start with you uh, because as we mentioned in segment one, your bracketology columns are now running on InsideTheHall.com, which I'm very excited about because obviously you know they have a huge audience over there. Uh, and I'm excited that your work, which is so good and so consistent year in, year out, uh, will get more eyeballs on it and more attention. And that was kind of one of our main goals in moving that content over there. Uh, so number one, congratulations to you. And number two, shame on you for not including Indiana in your initial Seriously. preseason bracketology. And it made me feel even better about not having that drivel on assemblycall.com anymore. What a jerk, <laughs> right? What a jerk. <laughs> Uh, fantastic fantastic <laughs> i just wanted to endear myself to the people there immediately so i thought that was the best way to do it was to drum up some uh drum up some controversy no so thank you and, and obviously thanks to alex bozich for um you know we kind of had some discussions about having it over there and and as as you have with podcasts on the brink a good partnership with them and uh, i think it makes sense for a lot of reasons so uh looking forward to that over the course of the season i mean as for iu specifically they were a team that i um i did consider um, it's one of those where you tend to be a little bit harder um, on on a team that you follow and that you cover, I think, in some ways to try to take out any bias that you might have personally in the uh, in the situation. So uh, there was part of that. I mean, and the other part was, quite honestly, I mean, I think there's still a lot of questions about this team in terms of how the rotation is going to play out and and whether guys once the level of competition ramps up, uh, you know, who really the go to guys are, how this team is going to be able to. Uh, how quickly they'll pick up the system offensively and defensively. And, uh, you know, I think in many ways you can look at the exhibition season and say, hey, if they can carry over the turnover piece and, and some of the defensive things we've seen, then, then yeah, I'm probably going to end up being wrong. Um, but at this point, it, it's kind of leaving it out there to, you know, to kind of prove it. I think they're going to be right there in the mix of a, a pretty crowded middle of the Big Ten. And, uh, and, and they were just, you know, outside the field. It was, 
it was funny. There were some people that as soon as, you know, seeds like nine through 13 went up, uh, there were a couple of people who joked like, oh, I, you must be an eight. Like, and, and then there are other people who are like, well, where are they? What's going on? So it was, uh, it, it was good. So they're, they're in the mix would not at all be surprised to see them make it eventually and certainly hope that they do. But, um, for now, just until we see them against a little bit better competition, uh, a bit hard to say. And as we've talked about on here, you know, the non-conference schedule has those four really hard games. Um, and if they don't win any of those, which, um, I certainly hope doesn't happen, but certainly is realistic. Um, you know, they really could, could have to post a pretty gaudy conference record to be able to make up for that. Yeah, you know, I'm on record from earlier in the offseason saying that I think Indiana will finish fifth in the Big Ten, defying the low expectations. And I did a podcast with Galen Clavio on Crimson Cast where we went game by game, and I ended up having Indiana at 21-9 and 11-7 and in the conference. Uh, you know, struggling early, but really picking up the pace toward the end of the season and finishing strong, in part because that's what Archie did pretty much every year at Dayton. His teams finished strong. He was almost always, you know, 9-3 and or 8-2, and something like that you know, down the stretch. I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, obviously those four non-conference games are huge. Uh, I think Indiana is going to win two of them. I think they're going to beat Duke, and I think they're going to win one of the other ones. I think the Notre Dame one is probably the most likely just because it's not on the road. Um, but outside of those games, like, did you go game by game, and are there any other kind of pivotal maybe swing games in Big Ten play that you think could really, you know, especially since it's expected to be so jumbled in the conference, that you think could really swing it one way or the other for Indiana when it comes to, you know, being on the bubble or off? Yeah, so for the purpose of the bracketology, I did not go through team by team for IU or, or really anybody. It was just more based on kind of where I projected them kind of in the pecking order of, of the of the league and same thing with same thing with other leagues. Um, as but I did go through and do this because I listened to you um, and, and Galen go through that process and, and thought that maybe you'd ask. So um, I ended up at 19 and 11 and 10 and 8 in the league. Um, I, I was I had there was a game or two I was on the fence about. So, um, you know, I was I kind of stepped back and looked and said, could they really if you if you didn't look game by game, but you just kind of said, hey, they're going to win all of, you know, this certain set of games. Are they really going to do that? So for me. Um, you know, one of the ones I ended up kind of switching was the, the road game at Illinois. Um, you know, I think the big games for me are, you know, obviously we think this team's going to play well at home. We know what assembly hall can be like. And, and so I think there are a lot of things to like there when you look at road games and and this comes as part of that, you know, kind of late season stretch that you talked about. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the early road games are difficult. Certainly Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan state, the first three. Uh, I guess not the first three anymore. So Michigan in uh, in December, then Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State, four pretty tough ones to start. Now, once you get past that, you've got a set of Illinois, Ohio State, Rutgers is the next three on the road, then then Iowa, then Nebraska. So the winnable ones out of that would seem to be Illinois, Ohio State, Rutgers, Nebraska for sure. Um, if if the team is as good as we think, and I ended up giving them a loss in one of those because I just don't know if that's too much to expect that they're going to win that many road games. So I think and it's worth can... noting that all three of those come on the the second game of the one of those uh, two games in three day stretches, which is going to be tough. But yeah, yeah. So I think those are, I think those are while not consecutive, are swing games that can really be a big deal. I mean, we know how important you know picking up road wins uh, can be, and I think there's some that are going to be really hard to get. So it becomes really important to get the, uh, you know, the, the kind of 50, 50 ones that are there against teams that are projected at least around where IU is. And that's really where ultimately Ohio state, Illinois Rutgers, um, 
and to a lesser extent, Nebraska really are. So can you win all four of those games? That would be awesome. And I think if you win all four of those, then yeah, you probably got a, a, a relatively good shot at getting 11, you know, 11 wins in the league. Cause then you'd have to go seven and two at home, which I think feels reasonable. So it's really to me a, a, a lot of, can you win all four of those? Can you win your four most winnable road games uh, out front? And if you do that, then I think not only does it help you in the in the league standings, but it also helps as as the selection committee has kind of gone to that different criteria where they're uh, bucketing wins a little bit differently and road wins, even against lesser teams, count a little bit more as you start looking at, you know, what what kind of column or tier those wins fall into. Yeah. And look, I'm just I'm trusting a new mentality under Archie Miller, plus the experience of all the seniors to be able to push Indiana to get some of those wins later in the season when hopefully the team is kind of gelled and is more comfortable in the system. Ryan, I'm not going to ask if you did your homework of going game by game because I'm, I'm quite sure that you didn't. Uh, but what is your, what's your general take on this team? I mean, where are you at right now after watching a couple exhibition games? You know, what's your gut feeling? Is this an NCAA tournament team? You know, I have looked at, I mean, obviously I've looked at the schedule. I've looked at where we're at. We've discussed it before on the show. Um, I have not gone game by game and and picked a record yet because I haven't seen this team play enough. And, you know, I almost feel like it's a futile exercise. For me, I think that Andy can do it based on the statistics and everything that he puts together and compiles and looking at past Archie Miller teams and things like that. I'm less of a stats guy and more of show me something. And And, and I think that... I think we'll have a better idea by the time they're heading to Seton Hall, um, you know, whether I think they can win some of these bigger games. And and I think that how you're going to perform in those bigger, more competitive games is going to tell you how you're going to do in your schedule. Because I think there are games in the Big Ten. Look, I think you're going to you're going to definitely even if you're the best team in the Big Ten, you're going to lose one bad one every year. I mean, almost every year uh, a Big Ten contender loses an inexplicable game. Um, you're going to win one you weren't supposed to, definitely, um, at least. And so they, you just got to find out where those are on the schedule and pinpoint them, and then you can further guess out. Um, but I, I would say that I think this team is going to be better than the national media thinks because, again, I think everybody is downgrading these guys based on last year. When going into last year, these guys were recognized. A lot of these guys on this team were recognized as having a lot of talent and being competitive nationally. People forget they beat Kansas to open the season. You know, I mean, like, you know, this team could compete on a level, but when things started going badly last year, it dragged everybody else down. And the national, you know, nationally, people saw the record. They saw the NIT birth. They saw the coach getting fired. They didn't see what these guys could actually do. And so I think that that's important. I think these, this could go one of two ways. These guys could rise to those heights or it could just be a battle all season to get these systems down and, and, and you know, maybe for Archie to get his guys, the guys that he trusts and the guys that fit his system into the game. But right now, I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that you'll see that cream rise to the top for these guys again. You're listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and Ryan, you mentioned, you know, Indiana beat Kansas last year. And one of the reasons why Indiana beat Kansas last year is because they had a guy in James Blackman Jr. who at times could just be absolutely magnificent as a score. And he was just unbelievable that game and went and got buckets and made shots and did that in a few of Indiana's big wins. And I think one of the big questions for this year's team is where do those points come from? Who is going to be the go-to scorer? Uh, and we got a question. We can jump ahead to, to one of the questions that we got. I think it's a good one from Shane. 
He wonders, who do you think will be the leading scorer and who will be the most surprising player? And so I think that's an interesting question as we look ahead to the season. Uh, Andy, I'll go to you first. I mean, I'm almost certain that you're going to choose Robert Johnson as the leading scorer. And I think based on what you've seen in the exhibition games, he's been, you know, kind of playing like a volume shooter uh, a little bit. And it certainly seems like he'll have the opportunities uh, to be that guy. Yeah, I think he he would seem to me to be the the favorite to lead the team in scoring. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a decent amount, even though he's you know not going to run the point, and certainly hasn't been shy about about shooting. And I thought certainly in the second exhibition game a, a bit more than the first balanced, uh, you know, where he took his shots a little bit better, and and maybe that's just you know seeing him actually knock down a, a, few, a couple threes after being a little bit worried about. Uh, his shooting in the in the first couple times that we saw him, so I think he would be the the favorite for that. Um, but I do think it's a it's a pretty big leap for him. For as much as he, you know, I think he scored on average more than people probably realized uh, even a season ago. But it's a pretty big leap to be um, if you would have you know kind of ranked the late game options last year. Um, he's making a pretty big jump from where you would have put him in the pecking order in late game situations last year to to being what is likely the the guy who's uh, going to be counted on in those in those scenarios this year. So um, I certainly hope he's up to it. Um, but but it is a, a big leap for him. And even for a guy who's been pretty consistent and productive, uh, he now has to be not only consistent, but consistently great. Surprising player. Who do you have for that one? Uh, boy, that's tough. I You know, I think a guy who I, I really like what Freddie McSwain did on Sunday. Um, and I think I think he might play more than people think. And so um, I just feel like he's going to be a guy who, while even coming into the season, maybe people didn't expect a lot of. I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to average double figures. He's not going to do those kinds of things. But I think he's going to become a really reliable guy uh, coming off the bench and a, and a really key part of the rotation and and really build on some of the things that we saw him do toward the end of last season and become a really key part of uh, of what's going on. Well, congratulations, Andy. It seems as if you stole Ryan's answer. So Ryan's going to now have to choose his second most uh, surprising player. Is it wrong? No, that I'm sticking with Freddie McSwain. worse about it, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I felt like the Devontae Green, you know, two weeks ago, Devontae Green would have been an interesting answer, but now I don't feel like you can, now I don't feel like you can throw that one out there. So No, it's not surprising anymore if he's good. Um, I, you know, my prediction uh, last week was that Devontae Green would lead the team in assists off the bench. And, and, and I stick with that. I don't think he's going to be surprising at all. Um, I, I I would say I think Andy's right that Robert Johnson will lead the team in scoring, but there's a caveat, and that's his three-point shooting has to get better. He His three-point shooting dropped from 44.7% to 37% last year. He took more. It's because he's not uh, getting as many catch-and-shoot opportunities. I mean, it, you, can look, is, you can look deep into the numbers and synergy. You know, absolutely. it's not a coincidence that Yogi Ferrell leaves and a great catch-and-shoot guy, his percentage goes down. And his field goal percentage stayed the same at 44.9. Yeah. So his other stuff clearly was the same, but he was not hitting threes at the same rate. And you're right. It was because the floor wasn't spaced well enough. He wasn't getting catch and shoot opportunities. Uh, he was having to dribble and four shots more that has to change this year. And it's not just on him. It's on everybody else. This is a guy who can shoot 45% from three. We've seen it before. Uh, it's a matter of getting him the opportunities to make those shots. And if you do that, you can have a guy who can knock down shots and big shots and big opportunities. Um, and as Dan Dockage, I'm sure will point out, Dan Dockage, big fan of the show, uh, will Huge. point out uh, that he likes the right corner three, so or right right uh, wing three. So he'll point that out every single time Robert Johnson has the ball there. Um, anyway, I, yeah, so I think it's going to be Robert Johnson. Uh, most surprising, I was going to say Freddie McSwain. I, I'll stick with that because I think that it would be a big surprise to a lot of people who watched him play last year how much he'll 
be in this uh, rotation and how he'll play. And quite frankly, I think that he's a guy kind of, you know, exactly what Archie Miller wants. And that's just a ball of activity, not necessarily super big, not necessarily super long, not necessarily a perfect position fit in the post, but he's a guy who's got a ton of energy and can make some things happen. Yeah. I, you know, for scoring, look, I I think Robert Johnson is obviously the easy answer. He makes the most sense. I think if we look at it from a points per minute, I think Deron Davis could challenge him. The big difference between those two is just that, you know, it's going to really take Duran some work to get up to playing enough minutes. I mean, Robert is in incredible condition. There could be games where Robert Johnson's playing 36, 37 minutes this year, you know, just as an experienced guard who can do so many things. Um, you know, and Duran, you know, he played, what, 24 minutes the other night, and that's the most that he's played. And Archie has talked about, you know, if we can get him playing 28, 30 minutes, you know, how big that will be for the team. And that's a function of both stamina and not fouling. And so that's why I thought what he showed in the exhibition game was so encouraging to me uh, that he, you know, seems to be kind of on track to getting there. Obviously, it'll, you know, take him several weeks uh, of actually playing in games to get in shape. So I, I, I'm i feeling better than I was, you know, last week about, you know, what Duran can do uh, this season after watching that exhibition game. And so I think he can be a guy, you know, if we're looking at points per minute. And then in terms of surprise players, look, I, I think – Al Durham can be that guy, frankly, because I wasn't expecting that much from him. I don't think a lot of people were. And yet you hear Archie talk and he's really excited about Al and seems like of the three freshmen, the guy closest to the rotation right now. And so especially if he can come in and make shots, which was you know supposed to be his big weakness, you know, he'll get some more time out there. So I think uh, just based on what we've heard and a little bit of what we saw in that exhibition game, uh, I would peg Al as my surprising player. And that is because I think Curtis Jones and Devontae Green will be better. I don't think they'll be stars. I don't think they'll necessarily be starters all season long. So that won't surprise me when they fill that role. So that's why I'm I'm saying Al for most surprising player. I got a question for you guys. Who led the team in uh, minutes per game last year? Who led the team in minutes per game last year? Who would be your first thought? Robert. Robert, right? No. James Blackman Jr., 30.5. Robert was 29.4. Hmm. That surprised me. Josh Newkirk averaged 28. Thomas Bryant averaged 28. So they were even. I mean, there was a lot of accountability for defense last year. I mean, (laughs) well, look, I mean, that's that's interesting to me because I was Robert played the most minutes last year, but James sat out for four games. So, but uh, as far as average, I did not know that Blackman was the leading minutes guy. And uh, it's interesting that he and then Josh Newkirk, who, you know, at times seemed like was basically rotated as a bench player, averaged the third most minutes at 28.1 per game tied with Thomas Bryant. I mean, it makes so some that's sense. interesting to me. I mean, it was a team that had to outscore people. And by the end yeah. of the season, you didn't have very many guys left who were playing all that well. So you might as and well I keep him out there and hope he gets hot. I think that's the key for what you're talking about with Al Durham is that he's going to get on the floor because of his defense. And, and it's a different philosophy from Archie is that if you can stop people, he'll put you on the floor regardless of what you do on offense. And, and yeah, he expects something from you on offense, but it feels like it starts from the defensive end, and then you can build the offense from there, not the other way around. Yep. All right, coming up in our final segment, we have a few more questions from you. We will answer those, and then we will give you a quick preview of Indiana, Indiana State, the season opener for the Indiana Hoosiers. That's coming up next.
You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show. And guys, we've got some questions, so let's hit these quickly. Ryan, I will go to you with this one. This is from Patrick. Uh, At the end of the season, Curtis Jones, will he be a consistent player or still kind of inconsistent as he has been thus far in his career? I I hate to hedge because, you know, I would never do such a thing. I would say he's going to be a fairly consistent player. I think we're going to we're going to start getting to know. So I will say consistent player. um, But since we're going zero to 100 here, but if if you want to be realistic, I would say moving towards consistent being a consistent player I, t- I don't know if he'll get all the way there in his sophomore year yeah, but, that's fair but he's a say, sophomore so that's yeah um, but if you have to pick one or the other i would say consistent i think you're gonna know what you get from him he, his shot may not always be consistent his ball handling may not always be consistent but i think you're gonna know what you'll get from him and be able to rely on him for specific things to me that's consistent so um yeah and, and i think yeah. he'll find more ways to score by driving and slashing and we've seen I, that already in the exhibition I, season i agree with you but you have to be able to hit a shot from the outside to get guys to you know, give you lanes to drive or also just back off you and, and make you shoot. So I think he's got to be more consistent with that jumper. doesn't have to become a 45% three-point shooter, but he's got to get better. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me take this real quick. Brian, uh, I retweeted something about how Deron Davis, you know, basically lost 25 pounds, and we've heard all about the weight loss. And Brian says that's great and all, but what is the goal with him? Agility? Come on, Boogie weighs 270 in the NBA. Uh, Ryan, as you mentioned off-air, kind of unfair to compare anybody to Boogie because he's just kind of a, a freakish athlete a freakish basketball specimen but look the it's thing like with somebody to Shaq I mean yeah he was 330 and moved like a guard yeah I mean, it's you know he can't do and, that. it's and, special and look the thing with Duran it, it is agility but it's also about leaping ability his ability to get off the ground quickly and be become a better defensive rebounder which he wasn't last year and we saw in the exhibition game him being able to go up better and get rebounds and also just his overall ability as an athlete to be able to move up and down the court and most importantly to be able to play more minutes he's a better conditioned athlete and having Deron Davis on the floor for 28 29 30 minutes is a heck of a lot better than having a bigger Deron Davis not on the floor as much and I think being a better athlete being more nimble on his feet will help with the fatigue uh, and it'll also help him not commit so many silly fouls so I think there's a bunch of reasons why this is a good thing how about health too it's easier to stay healthy when you're in shape yeah yeah I mean in in better shape it's better like you said on the floor and he can run the floor now yeah, no, for all those reasons. Uh, Andy, let's go to you with this one from Captain Kirk. With Hartman healthy, how long until he is inserted into the starting lineup, or do you see his role coming off the bench? Well, I saw today that he's gotten taken off of minutes restrictions, so I think that opens up some of the other possibilities a little bit more. I mean, I think he eventually works his way into the starting lineup, but I also don't know that there's a rush to do that at this point. Um, you know, the backcourt guys are playing well. Um, and I think against teams that you can survive playing a three guard lineup, I think it's reasonable to do that. So he, he may be brought along slowly. And certainly if Sunday was any indication, he can, he's a guy who could, you know, provide a spark off the bench. But um, just some of the ways that he's been talked about in the offseason, I, I would struggle to believe that he uh, it, that he wouldn't eventually work his way into the starting lineup. But don't necessarily think it's going to be on Friday for sure. Will Colin Hartman miss a shot this year? Because uh, right now, I'm gonna, it's perfect. I'm gonna are, we say, counting, are we counting? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, maybe like a half-court heave or something. But otherwise, I can't see any way that that happens. Also, and let's just say this, and we, we mentioned this off-air, you know, especially with Archie, I think it's going to be a lot less important who starts and who finishes, and he's mentioned this. And it does sound like 
starting could be more of a reward for who practices the best, and then obviously who ends the game will depend more on matchups and who he trusts. So that's going to be a really interesting storyline to watch as we go through. Uh, Andy, we've got uh, about a minute left. You want to give us your quick preview of Indiana, Indiana State? And we should mention we did a more detailed preview at the end of our uh, postgame show from the last exhibition game. So if you want a little bit more than what you'll get here, go there. Yeah, so uh, things to note uh, would be that, you know, they are picked, you know, kind of consensus eighth uh, is where they showed up in the Missouri Valley. I did some averaging there. The the 1 to 151 rankings are anywhere from 172 to, uh, I think, 210. Uh, guys to know, Brenton Scott, who's Bryson Scott's brother, who was on uh, Fort Wayne last year, he led them in scoring a year ago, about 16 points a game, uh, scored in double figures in both their exhibition games. They got a sophomore point guard, Jordan Barnes. Uh, who played well as a as a freshman and has scored in double figures in uh, their exhibition games, which were against Purdue and also against Marion. Um, and in uh, looking through Blue Ribbon, they lost a lot of close games last year. 18 of 31 games decided in the last two minutes. Uh, I mean, technically all games are decided in the last two minutes when the clock runs out. But, um, you know, so maybe they're no different than anybody else. Very nice. Very nice. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this episode of the Assembly Call. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. And of course, after Indiana, Indiana State. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things. Like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.